Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to The Call on this Wednesday afternoon. This is the program, 10 companies picked by you, two expert guests, all digested in the space of one hour. For this Wednesday, the 17th of November, I'm Nadine Blaney sitting in for David Kosh. Well, we've got two of our regular guests joining us here on our hump day. We've got Henry Jennings from Marcus Today here with me in studio. Henry. Hi. It is so good to see you. Isn't in this the flesh. great? It's fantastic. Isn't this great? The first time. It's fantastic. I know, and it's brought a little life to the whole newsroom. It has. Andrew Whitelin is joining us from DP Wealth Advisory. He's up in Toowoomba. Look, never would you have been here in studio, so we don't <laughs> feel too sad. Andrew, how are you doing up there today? Not quite sure how I feel about that intro, Nadine, but yes, I'm uh, glad to be here. And uh, one day, Nadine, 2022, the walls of Fortress Queensland will fall down and I will be in studio with you both. Look, we'll welcome you with open arms, Andrew. Um, Look, I know that we're going to have a great conversation throughout the next 60 minutes or so, so I don't want to waste too much time. I will get to our stock of the day first. Now, I've nominated Unity Group. So today, putting out an update on the share buyback, on capital management, and giving a bit of an operational update as well. So Unity Group is saying that, look, it's going to go ahead with its share buyback of 10% of shares on issue. It says that its gearing is very modest. It's got a really strong free cash flow. And that FY22 year to date is coming in ahead of internal budget. So that's revenue, earnings, uh, gearing, as we said, free cash flow, all on track to meet or exceed broker forecasts that sit at around $144.5 million. It's talking up, locking in long-term growth rate and those contracts. And if you look at that chart, I mean, Andrew, that's pretty much a bottom left, top right chart. What's your view on Unity overall? It's a ripper. It's a ripper. I like it a lot. It's uh, it's a great business. It's really well run. It's uh, got an excellent management team. Ticks a number of boxes. It's an infrastructure company. So uh, yes. you know, if we're looking for stability and earnings and so forth. So I, I like it a lot. And certainly the market obviously likes the news today as well relating to that 10% uh, buyback, uh, reaffirming guidance, uh, beating broker expectations. So Nadine, uh, one that I'd be uh, very comfortable in holding in a portfolio. Now you do say holding and not buying. Is that because we have seen such share price appreciation in this year 2021? I mean I've spoken with so many people over the past 12 months that have actually been wishing that they got in at Unity you know at an earlier date. 
No, I'd still be happy to buy it. Um, 450 is consensus. There's uh, eight in consensus. We'll talk about consensus a little bit later on and what that actually means. But in this particular case, there's eight. So, uh, you know, when, you, when you're buying a company, you're looking for a trigger. What's the impetus? So, you know, you've got a double trigger today. You've said to the company, hey, we're going to buy back 10% or up to 10% of our shares and things are going better than what you thought. So uh, to me, that's a green light. It's a buy. It is a buy. Now, Henry Jennings, Unity Group, stock of the day. Uh, It is up by 10% in the wake of that update, just in this early stage of the session, just past noon here in Sydney to timestamp it. Would you be a buyer today? I think so, yes. I mean, it's a pretty good update for these guys. They've, they've announced the share buyback. They've also said that they would take the share buyback off the table if they saw some opportunities. Clearly, they're doing well in their in their chosen field. Uh, they've got, uh, you know, the fibre to the premises market. They're really doing well. It's a greenfields business as well, connecting new homes to the fibre to the premises. I don't see anything wrong with this. This company has got great management. It's been going really well. Um, it's for me it's a buy there'll be broker upgrades to come I suspect on the back of this so you know the brokers are a little bit behind the eight ball the company is guided to uh, to a pretty good result so yeah pretty comfortable with this one okay that consensus just to reiterate at four dollars fifty from the brokers and it's sitting at four dollars twenty four today well we are off to a cracking start go. aren't we now I've got to say unity group was already in the Osbiz portfolio but it will comfortably remain there and I look forward to reading some of those broker reports that come out tomorrow right shall we yes. Henry Andrew these are the companies that have been nominated by our viewers and we thank Kai for writing in about brambles so BXB the ticker code a company that we know and love been around for young yep look I had a conversation with Martin Crabb from Sean partners yesterday you don't have to disagree but he looks at brambles as sort of an infl- a hedge against rising inflation as well okay why was that uh, <laughs> stability in earnings. Okay. Format, uh, I, I guess uh, to some extent it has got that stability in earnings. It's also leveraged the economy, moving stuff around the economy on pallets. I mean, this mm-hmm. is what these guys do with pallets. The big key to Brambles is the decision on going plastic. So mm-hmm. next year... But we've been talking about this forever, Henry. It does seem like we have. And there was the lost pallets. There was, remember that years ago they lost a yep. million pallets in the system? Well... Plastic pallets is clearly a good way to go, but it is going to require some upfront capex. Um, but then it will feed into the U.S. supply chain pretty well. I think Walmart is the guys pushing them to do this. The decision is next year. I, I don't mind Brambles. It's had a bit of a tumble, uh, to say the least, recently. I'd say at these sorts of levels, with that inflation hedging in place, the leverage to the U.S. economy, the leverage to the global economy in terms of pallets, I wouldn't mind buying it at these sorts of levels. I must admit, it's not the most exciting of businesses, but that plastic pallet decision is the, is the key to it. it. does face those headwinds with that uncertainty, but I think if it says yes to that and then ponies up the capex, I think this one could be a good long-term buy at these sorts of levels. Because the share price has been yeah, depressed has, and it's yeah. moving to sort of automation and digitization. It's moving, and we to, heard, all, it's moving to all yeah, these things. Yeah. We heard from Walmart last night you know, that sales are still going well. Yep. So that means that things are still being shipped, presumably on pallets. Those consumer spending numbers from the US last night were pretty impressive. So, you know, we've got, uh, well, we've got Cyber Thursday, Black Friday, Thanksgiving, Christmas, all this sort of stuff. So that's going to give them a little bit of a bump. But the plastic pallet thing, I think, you know, apart from the fact that once you've 
committed to it and you've spent the money on plastic pallets, they're far more, um, you know, they're far better resource, I guess, mm -hmm. than the, the wooden ones that degrade, get busted up, get broken. They may be cheaper to begin with, but they haven't got the lifespan that the plastic ones have got. And Andrew, add to that that it's got exposure to food and beverage, fast-moving consumer goods. Uh, not only that, but it's got surcharges in place to combat some of those inflationary pressures that you get from lumber and transport. Is Bramble's share price looking attractive to you today to buy? Oh, Nadine, I hate starting the show agreeing with Henry. It just doesn't get us <laughs> off on the, right, on the right foot. You know, People come here for the drama. They come here for the excitement. They don't come here for consensus. But sadly, I'm agreeing with him. It's a buy. Uh, because as we just saw on that chart before, it's uh, had a bit of a, a, a bit of a tumble. Um, it's now back, as we can see, around that 10.50 mark. Consensus is around $11.80. So there's certainly a fair bit of room there to move. Still a bit expensive at 19 times earnings on a forecast earnings per share growth of 9%. But uh, a lot of industrials actually came off the boil uh, last month. In fact, industrials was probably the worst performing sector uh, over the last 12, uh, over the last 30 days rather. So uh, from my point of view, um, I quite like it um, and I think it's a buy. So let's let's do it. Let's two for two. Two for two already. Um, look, another sort of stalwart is next on the list. This is from Bob. Bob, thank you for writing in. Uh, you're on screen with me now, Andrew. We may so I'll leave you there. It's Amcor. He says, we're liking it as a defensive stock that pays a decent dividend as we are both retired. That's presumably Bob and his partner. I hope they're watching or listening. So Amcor, AMC, what do you think, Andrew? Yeah, look, I don't mind this one either. And it's sort of interesting that you paired the two of them up and in particular, the referencing to the inflation piece because the uh, results that recently came out with Amcor, they were quite specific. In fact, they mentioned it 17 times in the analyst call around costs. And what they're guiding us to is that uh, they're in fact passing on those costs onto customers. That's obviously one of the big concerns from a company point of view, as opposed to a macroeconomic point of view, but from a company point of view, are companies absorbing that cost and therefore have a lower margin or are they simply just passing it on? Uh, and in the case of, uh, of Amcor, they're actually uh, passing it on. So from my point of view, it's a consensus of $17.90 versus a share price of around that $16.80. Uh, it's got a really strong return on equity. It's about a 17% return on equity. And we're still looking for pretty strong earnings per share growth next year, about 22% relative to that PE only being 15 and long time viewers and listeners of the call know that one of my favourite measures is the PEG ratio. Is your earnings per share growth faster than your PE ratio? So 15 versus 22, the answer to that is yes. And you also just mentioned before, Nadine, around defensive uh, style companies. So, you know, ones in which pharmaceutical, uh, beverages, food, etc. Amcor does all the packaging for them. So again, wouldn't light people's fires, but if you're looking for something that's just steady, boring, reliable, Tick the box on Amcor, three for three. I'm getting a bit scared here. Yeah, me too. I don't know if this has ever happened, but I'm going to go to Henry Jennings. Look, come at it with a clean slate. Forget I'm everything gonna, Andrew gonna, said. Yep. Um, so not exciting. Not no. going to light the house on fire. No. Defensive. Yep. 
uh, supply chain expectations are expect or you know troubles are expected yep. to ease as we move into FY22. Amcor packages things up nicely, and we consume them, and hopefully we recycle them. We don't throw them out. What do you think? Well, you've said it all, haven't you? I mean, I guess uh, you know Andrew's right. This is not the most exciting stock in the world. Flexible's going well. Rigid's not going quite so well at the moment. Raw material costs are the key to these guys and whether they can pass that on. But you know, this this is defensive. It's dull. It's probably inflation proof to some extent. Um, it's got a lot of good positives around it. Four percent yield, no franking. Has made the major sort of uh, merger with the Bemis Group, which uh, has been sort of this company making. And a lot of Australian companies talk about these company making mergers. But I think in this case, this actually has been pretty well done, uh, pretty well executed. I don't mind this one. I wouldn't be buying it necessarily. I think for me, it's a hold only because it is a bit dull and I'd probably go for more sexy stocks. Um, you can only have so many brambles and amcores in your portfolio. Otherwise, it just sort of merges into Mm-hmm. Into into wallpaper, um, but yeah, pretty pretty solid defensive four percent yield. There's not much not to like about this one, but supply chain issues could be a problem. Raw material costs could be a problem. We've seen this with Ansel to some extent. Another sort of in theory boring stock, which has really suffered, I guess, in some respects. So um, it's a hold, not a buy. UBS is talking up the company's ability to overcome some of those rising costs with very strong cost yep. controls. But yep. that's UBS, you're you, it's a hold. Hold. I, I'm going to digress for just a moment. Am I getting the sense, Henry, that you're looking to potentially build in some defensiveness, some inflation hedges into portfolios at this time? Well, inflation is out there, let's face it. We all know it is in, in our everyday lives. I, mean, I drove in this morning, 191 a litre for fuel. Now that's a big jump. Admittedly, there were still garages, 152. But you know, people are coming, this is my first time in the studio, and there's a lot of people first time going back to work for Christmas, Christmas parties, that sort of thing. That's a big jump, and we're seeing it across the board. Uh, I don't care, you know, we've, we've gone from transitory, however long transitory could be, to now they're starting to talk about temporary. Uh, and transitory has morphed into mm-hmm. temporary inflation. And we're going to see some numbers out tonight from the EU as well on CPI. America's running pretty hot. EU's running pretty hot, although we do have an outbreak of COVID there. The UK is out of control. I don't know where the RBA governor has been shopping, but clearly he's not been shopping the places that I shop because costs are out of control uh, here as well. Prices are, are being squeezed higher. Uh, you know, some places can't even open because they can't find the staff and they're offering big bonuses, etc. So I think it's good to build in some inflation hedges into your portfolio, whether that's through gold, which has been uh, one of those traditional inflation measures or ways to hedge, or things like Amcor and the Brambles and those sorts of things, or even you know things like Transurban to mm-hmm. some extent, because they've got you know inflation-proof toll rises. You know, if inflation six percent, they'll get six percent on their tolls, or four percent, whichever is you know the, the best one for them. So, those sorts of stocks. Same with uh, Atlas Arterial. Maybe it's time to look at some of those more defensive stocks. Maybe not this year because we've got Santa to come but you know after Christmas after the new year maybe things get a bit trickier midterms in the US inflation becomes an issue in the US mm-hmm. fuel prices who knows but yeah I think defensive could be a way to go early next year well I think the UK and the Canadian reads on inflation are at tonight to yeah. your point Andrew how about you now that we're on the subject I mean how are you positioning for this uh, temporary rather than transitory inflationary pulse that we're seeing coming through. Are you building your defenses? 
Yeah, Nadine, it's interesting. You know, my learned friend talks about what's the defini- the difference or definition between transitory and temporary, and you know, it's a bit of a nonsense. It's it's being baked in now because, of course, um, people are saying, "Well, I want a pay rise because things are going up." And once that uh, is out of the, that uh, toothpaste is out of the tube, so to speak, you're not going to stick that back in. In the context of how we're applying it, long-term viewers of the call again and markers today, subscribers would be very surprised to hear that I'm buying an ETF Qual, Q-U-A-L, the one ETF to rule them all. because what it does is it basically buys businesses with uh, strong quality earnings, low uh, levels of debt and high return on equity. And so it's sort of screening constantly for um, quality companies that would in fact be able to sort of uh, hedge against inflation. Uh, Also an ETF land looking at some uh, value ETFs, things like VVLU or VLUE. Again, the types of companies that Henry mentioned, they're sort of all bundled in there. So again, the key difference Henry the stock picker, Andrew the boring, Andrew the ETF whisperer apparently, um, but really just sort of trying to, as you say, get those defences ready. But I agree, November through February um, is usually one of the best times of year for markets. So I certainly wouldn't be upping the defence so much, but coming into 2022, you certainly want to be on guard. Thank you, and I'll consider that a bonus buy. That's the Qual ETF that Andrew has just said he's adding to the portfolio. All right, now we're on ETFs. Thanks for the segue, Andrew. It's almost like you knew it was coming. Let's get to the next question that's come in from Rob. This is about the BetaShares Crypto Innovators ETFs, CRIP, C-R-Y-P. Boy, crypto ETFs have got a lot of copy over the past couple of weeks. Rob says, I'm interested to get your view on if it's a good time to buy CRIP. Uh, at the time of writing, of course, sometimes we can't get to these emails right on the day, saying Bitcoin is close to all-time highs. Well, Bitcoin has come off. So perhaps you can take a top-down view of these crypto-related ETFs, Andrew, and talk us through your reasoning as to why you would invest or not in them. Yeah, Nadine, it's, uh, it's a, I guess straight off the bat, you're not actually buying a coin. You know, you're actually buying the underlying infrastructure of the uh, of the crypto space, so to speak. So the, the picks and shovels, I think, is sort of the terminology that BetaShares use in this particular case. Uh, ASIC is uh, still determining whether it will allow a crypto or sorry, a Bitcoin-based ETF. There's three out there that are trying to get it done before Christmas. Not sure whether that'll happen. But in the interim, the uh, the market is certainly very excited uh, by crypt um, crypt rather it had a hundred well it currently has as of uh, pre-trading this morning 124 million dollars worth of funds under management it's only been listed for a couple of weeks so it's uh, it's been on a, a bit of a tear but there is actually also a competing one which we'll talk about in a second as well so um, high level if you are looking for exposure to the exchanges you're looking exposure to the software then this is one place to go. Um, so if we then sort of delve into this one in particular, there's uh, 50 companies that are sort of made up within this ETF. And uh, it's got names like uh, Galaxy Digital, uh, Marathon, Coinbase, which I'm sure a lot of people have heard of. And it's 
going okay. Well, sorry, it's super volatile. You know, if we'd had this a couple of days ago, we would have said it was going super well. The last couple of days, it's sort of pulled back, but again, Bitcoin is, uh, has also pulled back. So really, the reason that you would have this in your portfolio is you were sort of uh, thinking that um, crypto or blockchain is a thing. And I think we all agree it's a thing. It just depends on how much of a thing it is. Uh, and whether, you know, you're super aggressive or maybe you wait for that ASX uh, blessing for a Bitcoin ETF, or whether you look at this, there's another one that's listed called Digger, D-I-G-A. It's uh, only listed though on Chiex, and uh, I spoke before about Crip only having 50 holdings. Well, in fact, Digger is even more heavily concentrated. It's only got 15, and in fact, its top five holdings make up about 65% of that ETF. So, really, you're taking a super concentrated view with Digger. If you're trying to take a somewhat more diversified view, you'd look at Crip. Or, of course, if you're going one layer down further, Nadine, I've nearly finished. Then there's another one called FTech, um, which is uh, basically again looking at these styles of companies but it's got uh, sort of more blockchain style technologies and a more broader range as well so from that point of view uh, I'm quite comfortable with Crip for more aggressive clients, FinTech or FTech for someone who's looking for, you know, a bit more sort of diversity. Or if you're super keen, wait for that uh, Bitcoin ETF. Got it. You would not be buying into BetaShares crypto today? I mean, no. Okay. No, oh, look, I mean, Andrew, Andrew, the boring, um, you know, I, I don't mind it. But for my uh, for the average client, I think FTech is probably sort of a foot in each camp. But uh, if you uh, want a bit of excitement in your life, then certainly and there's nothing wrong with Crip. But uh, if you're in exciting land, then maybe wait for that Bitcoin ETF. I'm going to put it as a hold. Thank you. Um, how do you look to gain exposure to the crypto thematic, if at all? Is it via an ETF? Uh, yes, is the answer. I mean, there's very few other ways in Australia. Um, I've recently created a, a crypto, uh, not a crypto basket, but a, an ETF portfolio. And Andrew has been very kind uh, in offering some advice, and I'll probably uh, lean on him a little more because, you know what, it's a really, really um, complex business. A really complex business. You need to be an expert at Venn diagrams because as you quickly find out, there's so much overlap between um, ETFs and you look at one theme and you put in one theme and you put in another theme and suddenly you realize you've got quite a lot of concentrated risk. Um, I actually added the Crip Kickers, uh, the Monster Mash stock, this one, uh, the, uh, the ETF on crypto. And I think a lot of people have bought this uh, thinking that it is like a Bitcoin play as mm -hmm. opposed to the companies behind the technology, those people innovating it using blockchain. So I think it, it's a really good way to get um, that exposure to that. I wouldn't be putting the house on it because you know when something new and shiny comes along with a Bitcoin ETF, everyone will go, well, why are we buying the bricks and mortar and the, the picks and shovels, as Andrew says, uh, we should just go straight direct to the Bitcoin ETF or, mm -hmm. the, or the Ether ETF. So um, I wouldn't be putting the house on it. We've got it, at, I've got it at five percent in this portfolio that I've built um, and I did look at FTEC it is listed on Chiax and that may just turn me off a little bit also there was quite a lot of diversity 72 stocks as against 50 um, I'm not sure that there are you know you start to get a little bit kind of well is that really a crypto stock is that really a blockchain stock um, so there's a lot of overlap so I just went with the easy one on the ASX with this uh, crypto ETF. yeah there's also the cosmos Di global digital miners 
Futures ETF on Chiax, and I think that's the one that was um, yeah, mentioned that it's DIGA, very concentrated. Yeah, yeah, very concentrated. So th this is a way to do it, but I wouldn't be putting huge amounts into it. It's a, it's a bit of fun, but when the new ETFs come along, which eventually they will, whether they're Bitcoin ETFs or whatever, but actually cryptocurrency ETFs, there will be a migration, I suspect, out of these into that. Got it. Now we're waiting for ASIC Blessing, of course, to come through. That's your answer, Rob. I hope it helps. Now, Glenn has written in about Credit Clear. He says, now that it's signed an agreement with Tech Hub for the beginning of global collections through the Credit, credit Clear excuse me, <laughs> platform, would now be an opportunity to buy as the share price has been subdued since listing. We actually spoke with the CEO or one of the executives of uh, Credit Clear just the other day. This Tech Hub deal, it's a South African-based organization, but it's a little unclear to me exactly how um, it's all being translated through to Credit Clear. Henry, are you clear on it? Not really. I'm not really credit clear on this. Uh, it's, a, it's a relatively new deal. It does give them a big sort of global expansion. The problem with this company, and I've liked this for a while, and I went uh, way too early liking this. I saw them present, thought this is a fantastic idea, um, harnessing fintech to collect debts in a, in a much better way, uh, much more user-friendly, if there is such a thing as collecting debts, user-friendly. And I really like the concept. Uh, and it's obviously a, a bit of a uh, competitor to something like um, you know, Credit Corp and and the old school way of doing things. But um, the problem is the economy is too good. Everyone's got too much money. <laughs> right. That's the problem. There's not, probably not enough debts out there at the moment. We haven't seen you know, any real fallout from COVID economically. Everyone's been stuffed full of stimulus checks. Um, and that's made it, I guess, a little hard for these guys to collect these debts. If interest rates do creep up and we see a little more stress in household budgets, we see that inflation creeping up, we do see the level of bad debts creeping up, these guys should do well. The tech hub acquisition or, or, or deal they've done, the joint venture they've done, mm. I think is a positive. It's, it's a little complicated, it's a little unclear um, how it's all going to work, but it does seem as if it's a positive for them, gives them a lot more global scope. But I do think that we need a bit more pain in the streets to ignite this one because everyone's just got too much cash. And would you wait for that turn? Because I note that it's down 29% on year. Yeah, it's, uh, the problem with small caps a lot of the time is if there's no news and there's no research and there's no catalyst, they just kind of drift gently down to earth and find a level where people can't resist them. And I think that's been the story of this one. This has given it a bit of a, a kick higher, this deal. Um, whether, to, whether that kicks through again, I don't know. But um, it's certainly showing signs of life. But it does need a little bit of research, does need a bit more of a catalyst. We need to see this deal actually start to produce revenue uh, and maybe a little bit more hardship in the economy generally to, to kick those. Um, Are you uh, holding? Uh, I had it in the portfolio and I sold out because I basically had to, it was just becoming too small. I bought too early. Um, I'm not going to revisit for the time being. It's probably a hold. It's definitely not a sell. Mm -hmm. If you had it, you'd hold it. Um, I would like to see more evidence of how this deal is going to pan out before I went to a buy again. Yeah, well, Glenn has asked if he should buy. So Henry is saying not yet. What do you think, Andrew? 
agreeing again. This is becoming a bit tedious. Um, no, look, the the, the band, uh, if you look at it from a technical point of view, is around that 46 to 60 cent mark. So in other words, if it's it's bounced twice now of 46 cents. So anything around that sort of level, well, you know, load your boots up. Uh, but it really does need to sort of break above 60 cents to sort of give us a view that it's actually on the move. And uh, when their major customers are telling uh, Credit Clear not to uh, enforce any collections, uh, that makes it really hard for their business, in particular during COVID lockdown. So nothing wrong with the business at all. It's just the, the macro environment in which they're operating under. Uh, you've got Thorny Investments on the register. They still hold about 9%. Um, you know, they're not silly by any stretch of the imagination. But to Henry's point, you know, like we've got $60,000 a day of this, which is traded. Like it just... It's very thinly traded, so on no news, I like the analogy, it just sort of floats down. Uh, it's just gonna sit there. So it's uh, it's definitely a hold for the time being. Thank you, that's credit clear for you, Glenn. Do not buy now, according to my guests. Now don't forget that this is information only, it's not specific to your own financial circumstances. Number five on the list where they're already hard to believe, Core Lithium CXO. This is for Ben. Hey, Ben. He asks uh, to take a look at the company. He believes that Henry Jennings was a big fan of this one. He'd like to get into the lithium space. However, given how hot lithium has run, is it too late? Are you a fan of Core Lithium? I've owned it since about eight cents. Um so long ago that I'd actually even forgotten that I owned it until it started to appear on my radar again. I thought, oh. 56 cents now. I think I, think I own that one. Um, so it has been good. They did a, um, an SPP as well, so I topped up there. I think that was done at 31 cents from memory. These guys are going to be the next lithium producer in Australia. They've got a, a project called Finis up near Darwin. I think it's only about 90 k's from Darwin. So infrastructure's good. Grade is good. Management is good, although it has taken some time. Production uh, next year, late next year, Q4 22. Uh, there's going to be a lot of exploration as well to try and increase the mine life. It's a very good, uh, easy um, easy process they're using. It's well-trodden path they're using. So there's no big surprises about this one. You can There's a timeline that you can see. Uh, exploration success will drive upgrades to the resource because it's not the world's biggest, but it is going to be Australia's next. So I, I still like this one. It has been dithering around at these kind of levels, I must admit. Technically, I was kind of hoping it would push through 60. A lot of people out there like this one as well, which always gets me a little bit nervous because it means there's not many other people left to buy the thing. Mm -hmm. um, there's probably better lithium plays at earlier stages. I mean, when you're looking at these resource stocks, there's a kind of a timeline. Mm -hmm. um, and this is getting close to production, which is good. That is a great catalyst, but then it brings a whole load of new problems. So um, I'll probably be out by the time they produce this time next year, only because you know, there'll be a lot of hope built into it, a lot of anticipation of production. Hopefully the share price will be a lot higher, um, but then comes the more prosaic kind mm -hmm. of business of actually so digging the stuff. You're not ready to sell yet, though. I'm not selling. So I'm you're not a selling. hold. I, I am definitely a hold. Um, not a buy, to answer Ben's question. Not a buy at these levels. It may slip back a little bit. What are we, 55 cents? Yep. We may see it slip back to sort of 48, 49, uh, just with a little bit of drifting off. There's not been too much news. Everything's been done. They're funded. Um, it's now just a question of building the project and producing the uh, the spodumene. So it all looks good, but it may take a little while. There's, there's no real sexy sizzle just yet 
um, from the exploration side of things. Andrew, Core Lithium CXO, sexy sizzle for you? Felt weird saying my, that, to be honest. Thank, thank you for the leading question. My, uh, my learned friend buried the lead. Henry, who's the chair? Uh, who's the chair? Well, it's not Tim Goiter, is it? No, it's uh, your mate from Axe, Mr uh, English. Yes, it is. You're right. I remember now. And, uh, well, fill course. the rest of us in, guys. Stop talking in tongues, please. <laughs> talking in tongues. This, this is. So remember, Nadine. Oh, about six weeks ago now, Koshi had the you know one stock that you would buy yeah. forever top, and of course that was Henry's idea. Henry's stock was X, and uh, X has just been a ripper, and of course uh, the chair of X is also uh, the chair here. So Stephen Biggins, um, is that it? No, I think he's the CEO. Oh. No, it is. I've just had it here. Yeah, Mr. he's English. the managing director. It is Greg English. Greg English. So, English. Yes. So um, there we go. I thought, uh, given you know, it's got the axe blessing, it would sort of just be that little cherry on top. But uh, yeah, technically, sort of around that forty-five, fifty cents is where you want to be here. They, if we're back to CXO, they certainly have got everything lined up. But what's the new news that's going to come through between now and sort of twenty twenty-two when production starts? If anything, there's probably some downside risk. You know, if there's delays in the project or whatever the case may be. So. It's probably run pretty hard for the time being. Great project, you know, having sold its off-take to all the right people, fully funded, ticks all the boxes. But, uh, you know, it's by the rumour, sell the fact. We're probably in fact mode at the moment, but it is a hold. It's a hold. Core Lithium CXO for you, Ben. Look, let's let the guys have a, a bit of a pause. I'll run you through what we've learned so far in uh, this edition of the call. And we had the stock of the day, Unity Group. Much loved. And these guys are loving it even more. It's a buy. So Henry says that, look, it is just looking really good. Strong management. Andrew agrees. It's infrastructure. And the broker consensus is up at $4.50, so there is still room to run. So Unity Group stock of the day is a buy. First on the list from our viewers, Brambles. Again, it is a buy. Uh, Henry is still watching for that plastic uh, theme to emerge and actually take hold, but this is a company that so far has emerged uh, is able to really cope with supply chains and inflation risk as well. And uh, it's also going pretty cheap right now. So there you go. Buy. Mcor. It's a buy for Andrew. He says that it's defensive. It's got some of those characteristics. It's not exciting, but given the price, it's a buy for him. It's just a hold for Henry. He doesn't want portfolios to become too wallpaper-ish with too many of these safe defensive plays. He does point out that it's got a 4% yield. Safe set of hands, defensive. However, it's a hold for him. The BetaShares Crypto Innovators ETF. This is for Rob. Uh, Henry does have exposure to this ETF, but only about 5%. It's on the risky end of things. That's the same story for Andrew at uh, DP Wealth Advisory. It's got exposure to infrastructure, 50 companies, uh, but he, I think I got, he'd prefer the FTEC ETF because it is a bit bigger. Now, credit clear for Glenn. It's a hold for Andrew. There's nothing wrong with the business. It's the economic cycle that is moving against it. He points out that Thorny is still on the register. And Andrew, uh, Henry, I should say, also says that it's got economic headwinds, lots of fiscal stimulus. There's not a whole lot of debt collecting going on, but wait for interest rates to rise. He would wait for that. It's not a buy now. 
it is a hold at best. Now, core lithium, it's a hold for both of my guests. You just heard their reasoning. But uh, Henry does say that it will be the next lithium producer in Australia. Between now and then, though, Andrew says there are risks. Think delays. So what's the new news? As of now, he says technically you'd look to buy it more between 45 and 50 cents. So there we go. That is the show thus far. I will update you on the portfolio. Mentioned uh, that Unity Group is already in, so it will remain there. We've been tracking this portfolio since July 1st last year. And thank you to our partner at NAB Trade. Most of you know the rules, but just in case, both of my guests have to agree with a buy. It goes in. If both agree to hold it, or if there's one buy, one hold, it remains in. It only gets taken out if it is a sell from um, my guests. All right, so the call portfolio over the week up by three quarters of 1%, the month 3.5%, year to date close to 11%, but since inception up by close to 49%. Lately, we have added Capital Health, had a good day yesterday actually, Rhythm Biosciences, MedAdvisor, Seven West Media, and Smart Parking. Now we've taken out Southern Cross Media, Magnus Energy Technologies, PWR Holdings, and Hub24. You can check out those stocks and ETFs that are in the calls portfolio by heading to osbiz.co forward slash portfolio. Having an SMSF is hard? Well, think again. Set up your own SMSF completely online with Stake Super and invest your super with freedom. There's no paperwork and Stake does all the admin. You just focus on the investing. Shall we get going again? Let's talk about AdBry for Finn. Well, start with you, Andrew, in Toowoomba. We know what's been going on in the housing market, the building market. There's been stimulus in that area of the economy as well. I, I cannot tell you, probably speaks to where uh, I'm living, but there are so many additions, extensions, you know, <laughs> knockdown rebuilds going on, honestly, around my neighborhood. You can just see the money that's going into the construction industry is Adbry making hay while the sun shines. You wasted there, Nadine. You absolutely wasted there. Um, no, it's uh, it's just as as way of background. They've actually been in business since 1882, so they're obviously uh, they're obviously doing something right. Um, but the share market doesn't seem too enamoured with them. They've uh, basically been down about seven percent per annum over the last five years. If we can compare and contrast that to the market, the market's actually up around ten percent per annum over that same period of time. The PE at 17 times probably looks a little demanding, especially when the earnings forecast growth is only around 4%. Uh, And one of my little amber lights, Nadine, is that they have a new CEO. So, you know, when a new CEO comes in, sometimes, you know, I've written down here, bring out your dead. So, uh, in other words, it's sort of an opportunity to sort of look in the cupboards, find those skeletons, blame everything on the previous team and make yourself look amazing. So, um, the, the recent update that they had basically said that there was strong demand 
albeit, you know, again, the inflation story that we were just talking about before, and in the context of the the infrastructure focus that they have, in fact, they've been winning about 35% of the deals that have been winning have been infrastructure focused. So there's lots to potentially like about it, but in the very short term, new CEO is a big amber flashing light for me. Financials don't really stack up, uh, as in that peg ratio that we spoke about before. Uh, so I am a hold. Buy, hold, sell, ad, buy, Henry? I'm a buy. I think, um, you know, as you rightly point out, there's an awful lot of construction going on. There's a huge amount where I am um, as well. And, you know, these guys, we're in an election year next year. Mm -hmm. There's going to be lots of high-vis out there, lots of hard hats from ScoMo, um, lots of promises on infrastructure building. These guys are in the cement business. Um, I, I can't see too much wrong with this one. I'm not getting the same amber flashing lights now. I know, um, you know, the new CEO kind of does cast a little bit of a pall over it because they can sort of clear the decks and bring out the dead as Andrew rightly points out but I think this is a this is a company that is attracting a, a new CEO because he wants to turn it around because it has been a laggard um, and I think that um, you know at this level at this price with this much kind of upside if you like from infrastructure and from residential housing building why not i mean there's there's worse things in the world and worse themes to be playing uh, and i think we could see this one back up it wasn't that long ago they were doing okay back up at um you know three dollars eighty here we are back under three bucks so i think this has got some good upside potential so i'm definitely in the buy camp for this one got it there you go we've got some disagreement here that's what makes market let's get on to the next one out of cell technologies for patrick he's questioning whether it could be a potential beneficiary as we start to see people taking to the skies um how do you think of fundamentals? I suppose you can throw in technicals if you're interested, but what do you think of Adacel technology? So it's air traffic management and air control systems. <laughs> uh, yeah, very complex, isn't it? I mean, yeah. Air traffic control systems, and you would think that they would be a big beneficiary of everyone taking back the skies, but I'm sure you don't just turn off the software and cancel your subscription when you're in lockdown. You're still going to have to pay for it. Um, I, I don't mind this one, I've got to say. It's not. It's only a $77 million uh, capitalization one. I got cash for about 12 million bucks pay a decent dividend, um, very specialist market. Uh, clearly, you know, there's lots more airports being built around the world. The demand will come back. We are seeing, you know, more airports being built in China, more airports, mm -hmm. even in Sydney, we've got another airport coming along. So there's plenty of opportunities for these guys. It's definitely a hold. It did have a big leg up. Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, you know, when you look at the price now at, what, $1.35, uh, it's definitely a hold. It probably needs another catalyst. But a lot of the, the reopening in the, in the world has been baked into not only these guys, but the flight centres, the Webjets, the Qantas. Now, there's a lot of this baked in. And we are seeing a little bit of stuttering, I guess, um, from the reopening trade. I mean, Europe's starting to have some issues. The US is having some yeah, issues. Don't remind it's, me. it's still quite complicated to fly. There's lots of tests that you've got to do. It's quite expensive to get these tests. So I'm not convinced that this is a buy here, but it's definitely a hold. Buy, hold, sell for Adacel Technologies. Andrew. It's a hold, Nadine. Um, on the positive side, they manage or control, for the want of a better term, 20% of the world's uh, airspace. Hmm. So 
you know, you talk about companies that have got a dominant market position and they've got some great customers, uh, both uh, civil and also military. So lots to like in that regard. And, you know, an extension to Henry's point, you just don't sort of flick the switch and go, I'm changing to somebody else. There'd be all sorts of training and uh, systems implementations. You'd have to think it'd be a very sticky business. Uh, interestingly, a consensus of one, whatever that means, uh, has the <laughs> target price of uh, $1.50. But again, just looking at that chart very briefly, I'd really actually want it to see it break about that 175 mark. Uh, and that's to Henry's point around what's the impetus, what's the trigger, what's going to cause that to happen. Really thinly traded. We only have around $60,000 a day traded on this one. So it is a hold, Nadine. Okay. Thank you for that. Yeah, I don't think that one is a... It's, it's more like an oxymoron to call one a consensus. Anyhow. It is. Tyro, T-Y-R is the ticker code for Benja, saying the share price has suffered lately. Uh, in the estimation, though, or in the light that the company is in a far better position financially than they were last year when the share price was over $4. But... Yeah, Andrew, I'm interested in this one as well, because Tyro is, in essence, a reopening trade as well. The more people are out, the more people are at restaurants, the more people are spending, the more they're using that click on the side. So why is the Tyro share price coming under pressure? So let's take our minds back. I don't know whether you've got sort of that tinkling music, you know, the go back in history type music. Maybe you could stick it in for the podcast. That could be an extra bonus for people who catch this uh, in audio only. But um, take our mind back to January and they had a severe network outage. Uh, they had uh, lots and lots and lots and lots of pain and that is still biting them today. Albeit I note, I think it was yesterday, they had an update at their AGM and they've now said they've settled around 93% of all the remediation claims. I note a couple of weeks ago that there was a, an action launched in the uh, federal court by uh, people who were aggrieved as to that network outage. You know, 58,000 uh, merchants are using their terminals and when things were down for whatever it was, three or four days, uh, arguably at peak time during summer, uh, you can understand them being a little bit aggrieved. Uh, and then you overlay that the shorters then sort of got stuck into them as well. So uh, I don't think that's really helped them. They're still not actually making a profit, albeit, you know, their results are improving. Consensus, that seems to be the word for today, $3.75. Uh, and I note that, you know, one of my big measures, Nadine, is management. Who's 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 the management? Who's the board? So you've got Robbie Cook, uh, ex-Tattersalls, he's the CEO. And you've got David Thody, ex-Telstra. So you've got good people running it, but there's that noise, uh, that remediation thing that's been certainly hanging over them. And now that they've got this court case to fight as well and the merits of it, you know, who knows, but it's just a distraction for management chart looks terrible so uh it is a hold thank you buy hold sell for tyra um i'd like to get excited about this one but i can't i've got to say um it's just um really and truly there's competition coming now, the afterpay square deal is going to put square squarely in australia um, and they're going to be able to offer a point of sale that these guys are not going to be able to compete with, I don't think. Commonwealth Bank's also doing stuff for businesses as well with point of sale and all the clever stuff that goes behind it, all the apps and everything like that. These guys have got competition. The interesting thing is that they've really been great at communicating to the market in terms of how their business is going during mm -hmm. COVID. We've had update number 87 
which shows you how long yeah. we've been, They've been doing it weekly. They've been doing it weekly. So week 87 of COVID updates, which is uh, quite incredible when you think about it. I, it's, the charts looked horrible for a while. I think competition is coming. Square, Commonwealth Bank, other banks, other fintechs. Um, they've got the merchant problem from January lurking as well. Court cases, class actions, just too hard at the moment. I think it's one to avoid just for the time being. There you go. Let's get on to the next one on our list, which is Ren, Renescore, R-N-U for Sean. He says, I'd like to hear Henry Jennings. Boy, you're a popular man. I am. On RNU. He's been researching it recently and its large graphite deposit in South Australia. With the focus on ESG and EV, <laughs> and of course it's in South Australia, he's interested because it's of course not in Africa or China where you've got sovereign risk. So is it a way, Henry, to play the battery minerals boom thematic outside of lithium stocks? Yeah, I mean, battery tech has been pretty uh, big at the moment. And there was one that listed yesterday, I think it was EV1, that had a graphite project in Tanzania that they just bought. Stock went nuts on first day of listing, you know, up 60, you know, three times the money from 20 cents to 65 cents. Um, this one obviously plays into that theme, the same as, you know, the Syrahs as well with that graphite in Mozambique. So it is part of the whole EV thing. I think there's probably... <laughs> I had to say it, probably better ways to play it than Renescore. I think, uh, you know, there, there are other stocks out there. South Australia has been a bit troublesome for some. It's not, I don't know, it's, it just doesn't seem as mining friendly sometimes as Okay, as so states. I will put you on the spot. So what other ba- better ways to play graphite then? Uh, or, or that whole battery thing? Well, I, I guess from, from a battery thing, I mean, there's Novanix, which mm-hmm. has been going really well. Uh, you've got to look at some of the lithium players like uh, Iron Ear, which I still like quite a lot. Uh, there's also, you know, you can't, you, you probably would look at Syrah to some extent. Even the EV1 yesterday from Tanzania, I mean, that, that's quite interesting. Uh, so there's a number of players out there in, in the space, mm-hmm. uh, in the graphite battery anode business. Uh, Renescore for me just doesn't really float my boat too much at the so moment. So it's an avoid? It's, yeah, if you've got it, hold. But um, yeah, I wouldn't, be, I wouldn't be piling in, I have to say. Yeah, okay. Um, it sounds like Sean is not already holding it, but uh, I could be wrong. So Sean, let's get another view on Rena- Renescore. I don't know why I have a hard time saying that. From <laughs> Andrew Veitland joining us from DP Wealth Advisory. What do you think, Andrew? Uh, look, again, I, I don't mind it, but it's really, and, and that whole conversation that you just had with Henry or that little party, you know, where it's, you know, it's that concentration risk piece, trying to identify which is the best company that fits into that EV space, if I can sort of use that as a frame. And so, you know, it wouldn't be the call without a gratuitous ETF suggestion. So ACDC <laughs> would be the way to, to play this, whereby, and I might add they're, they're more lithium as opposed to the graphite piece so I'm taking a little bit of license here but you know the way the question was framed mm-hmm. ESG EV etc why try and pick one when you've got a basket of 30 and so to me that's certainly the way I'd be playing it in the case of RNU specifically I mean there's lots to like they've got 16 million in cash they've got that offtake agreement with POSCO which is that large uh, Korean conglomerate 25 billion dollars in size so they're no small players and they're going to have that processing plant. Um, so th- there's lots to like about it, but Andrew the Boring, ACDC. Yeah. We'll all have that song in our head, you know, 
for the rest of the day. Thunderstruck. All right, Virtus Health is the last on the list. VRT, this is for Ben. So what do you think about the lucky last, Andrew? A buy, hold, sell, you know, it's in a space where there's lots of interest, no doubt, lots of demand. But are there better players, I guess, is the, is the, is the question. Yeah, I think it's a buy. Um, and there's a few reasons for that. It's trading at around 540 relative to consensus last time or so today of seven bucks. Uh, and the CEO is, in fact, the former COO of Ramsey Healthcare. So, you know, they've got some um, IP or um, some smarts relating to sort of running a business like this, that not only fertility clinics, but indeed also now day hospitals. And as you were inferring, Nadine, with COVID uh, becoming less of a thing, it's obviously still a thing, but becoming less of a thing, then that certainly plays right into Virtuous's hands. Probably the important thing to note, however, is that the AGM is tomorrow. Mm -hmm. So if there's going to be some good or bad news coming tomorrow, it might be the day. And to that end, I note WAM, Wilson Asset Management, have been creeping up on the register. So, you know, one of WAM's key things is find something which is cheap. So on face value, VRT is cheap. But then the second, uh, well, the other shoe to drop is what's the trigger? What's the event that's going to cause it to kick up? And potentially this AGM is tomorrow. But as we've also seen sometimes with AGM, they can pull rabbits out of a hat, which may not be so pleasant. So mm -hmm. uh, just be a little bit cautious, but it's a buy for me. Buy for Virtus Health, IVF. Um, it does have a deal on the table of Adora Fertility from Helios. That's been put on hold. The regulator is looking into it. Are you yep. one of those that thinks when there's regulatory court issues, you know, that you just sort of can wait? Or is that secondary considering the uh, demand for product? I, th I think the demand for product, I mean, they're, they're babies, so they're not really product. <laughs> well, it's, you know, know what I mean. I know, I know what you mean. Um, I, I think uh, the market's probably factored that in, and I think it's a positive if they get it. If, I th if they don't get it, then it's a... It's kind of in the price already. Okay. Uh, I think the AGM is Andrew. He's such a wise guy, isn't he? He's, he's always very spot on. The AGM, is, it could be the catalyst to re-rate this thing. Uh, the outlook looks pretty good. Uh, the government uh, has come to the party in terms of uh, the, the business as well. So uh, here we are. Where is it now? $5.57. I think this is actually a buy. Uh, to be honest, it's you know there's only two listed players in the in the IVF space. This is probably a little bit more diversified than MVF. Um, it has been sold off heavily. It has got this ACCC thing hanging over it with Adora, but uh, I think that's built into the price. There's probably only upside from here, and maybe tomorrow we're going to get some uh, more information on the transaction. Maybe we'll get a bit of an mm -hmm. update. So I think tomorrow could be a catalyst for a kick higher. So um, yeah, buy from me. And a, an, an undemanding valuation. Undemanding. We like undemanding. Yeah, we don't like consensus, although Andrew seems to have picked it as word of the day. But yeah, undemanding is a good word and I think it is undemanding, so I think it's cheap here. Well, to Andrew's point about consensus, Morgan says an ad, Macquarie and outperform Morgan Stanley and underweight on the company. So the share price targets ranging from $6.50 to $7.13. That brings us to the end of the program. I'm going to wrap what we've learned so far before I say my goodbyes today because we've got Henry in the studio here. Adbri was the first on the list. It is a buy. 
for Henry Jennings from Marcus Today. He says, look, there's been a lot of activity in the space. He expects it to continue. And don't forget, you'll be seeing the prime minister and no doubt the opposition leader in plenty of high vis and hard hats in the coming months. We are entering an election year. It's a hold, though, for Andrew because he has one of his infamous amber flashing lights. And a lot of that has to do with a new CEO, perhaps will be taking out the trash. Now, Adacel Technologies, 20% of the world's airspace falls under its remit. I did not know that, civil and military. And uh, it's a hold, though, for Andrew. It's a hold for Henry as well. Um, there are plenty of opportunities, but again, you want to see that catalyst to kick it higher. Tyro, it's an avoid for Henry Jennings. That's the strongest language we had to the downside coming from these guys, really. He says it's just really tricky and competition has arrived. And it's big. It's in the shape of a square. Uh, the network outage is still looming large in terms of Andrew. That's why he thinks the share price is down and there are remediation claims. It is a hold for him. Renescor, or NU for Sean, um, it's a bonus buy in the ETF land with ACDC. That is how Andrew would gain exposure to that whole battery EV thematic, not via this company. And look, Henry says there's just better ways to play it. Novanix, Ioneer, Soraya perhaps. It's a, it's a hold if you've got it, but it's not a buy right now. And Virtus Health. I believe that will be going into the portfolio. It is a buy from both of my guests. You just heard their reasoning, but valuation looks good. AGM tomorrow. I'll be keeping an ear out to see what happens there. Andrew Whiteland from DP Wealth Advisory joining us from Toowoomba in Queensland. We look forward to seeing you in the new year. Thank you so much for your insights today. Thanks, Nadine. Thanks, Henry. And Henry Jennings joining us for Marcus today here in studio. Nice to have you in the city. Pleasure. And we look nice forward to, to seeing you here again. Yeah, yeah. It's fun. All right, that's it for today. Listen, if you'd like us to cover a company or a stock, email us at the call, osbiz.com.au. On Twitter, we're at osbiztv. Again, it doesn't necessarily happen the next day. We do have quite a few requests coming in, and we try to make a good program out of them all. But we like to mix them up a bit. All right. If you'd like to look at that portfolio, check out osbiz.co forward slash portfolio. Now, you do not want to leave. Do not turn off now. We will be talking uh, stocks when we return. Also, cryptocurrency in the DeFi industry set to hit $1 trillion in the near future. To tell us more, Stephen Moss from Bullion FX. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.